Hey, uh, y'all didn't know this, but uh, the Migos actually Vocaloids. All the new trap rappers are actually Vocaloids. We don't call it mumble rap in Atlanta. We call it holo- holographic. Yo, it's holographic. Let me holler at you. I never know if I if I should start doing the intro as the music's going or wait until the music transitions into like the other music. Is it best to do it during the theme? Steve usually throws some ba da da days. Ba da 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 day day. Ba da 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 day. Oh, you're on, baby, you're on. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, welcome to the Mega Late Show, Tokyo, Japan's number one, foremost, mostest wokest podcast. In Japan, every week we highlight artists, art, visitors, culture, happening, and all elements of hip-hop culture here in Japan. Make sure you check out the end of the podcast to find out all the upcoming uh, hip-hop type events, be mm-hmm. they breakdancing, mm-hmm. DJing, MCing, Graffiti. anything of that nature. Uh, new episodes every Friday. Today, episode 28, all three of the Mega Late Show hosts are in the studio today. Hey. It's a wonderful time. And... We have a tremendously special guest, and I'm very excited to have this man on here because he knows a lot of things that I just haven't paid attention to. Despite him not focusing on hip-hop culture, I think he's doing something very similar to us. Our guest highlights Japanese lifestyle and culture for non-Japanese folks and Japanese folks alike. He is a writer, a mm. content creator that focuses on food, music, art, and Japanese culture. Mm. He's written for such publications such as The Japan Times, Metropolis Magazine, The Atlantic, Pitchfork, Cereal Gum, and several more, which we'll get into later. Don't forget he, his Japanese music blog, Make that's, Believe that's Melodies. Right. He runs and is the creator of MakeBelieveMelodies.com. A Almost Japan- 10 years uh, running. 10 years? Wow. Almost doing 10 it, years. Doing it. Killing wow. it hard. That's right. And he uses that website to highlight lesser-known indie Japanese music artists for non-Japanese-speaking peoples mm. and those who are interested in those facets of the beautiful culture we have here. He recently contributed to the wonderfully dope 33 and a Third series, which is, and as some of you may know, has put out projects on classic albums like Jay Dillis Donuts, uh, the Beastie Boys Paul Be- uh, Paul's Boutique, uh, Boutique and uh, rest in peace to Matt Dyke and MCA, by the way. 33 and a Third is a book series, uh, short books that focus on a single album and has a knowledgeable writer break down uh, the components of that work of art, mm, what mm. went into it, and some of the behind-the-scenes things that people might want to know. And our guest is a knowledgeable writer. He wrote about the Japanese electro-pop sensation Perfume. Is that, that the name of correct. it? That is correct, yeah. And wow. their sensational album, Game which I don't know anything about, but apparently Late is a huge fan. Uh, So, and correct me if I was wrong at any point of this, but our guest today is the one and only Patrick St. Michel. Applause drop. Oh, we don't have the 404 today. Thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, that was all right. Okay, cool. cool. Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, if I mess up anything, let us know. Can you give us a little bit of a recap of who you are and things of that nature? Yeah, you hit most of the major points. So... Uh, I am a writer, originally from Los Angeles. I moved to Japan in late 2009, originally living in the countryside of Mie Prefecture. Mie, shout outs. Uh, thank you. Ninjas uh, and salamanders down there. Nabari, great city. Check it out. Grapes, really good. Yep. Uh, moved to Osaka briefly, and then... Kansai. To Kansai Tokyo. stand up. Yep. And I've been here ever since. Very cool, man. Very cool. And uh, now you spend a lot of your time doing writing. Is that your primary focus right now? Yeah, I'm a freelance writer, full-time. Full-time. Congratulations. Did you study writing? Yes, I uh, went to school for journalism. Oh, nice. 
But yeah, initially, like the reason I came to Japan was after I graduated, I was kind of disillusioned by it. It was just mm. kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. What's the most, like, the furthest place I could go? You wanted to get away from LA? All the bullshit and the plastic shit that goes on in LA? Uh, it's funny because I actually went to school in Chicago. Oh, okay. So very had to get get away from the uh the cold, cold winters, the weather exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy over there yeah so i came uh, to japan and i thought i'd be here like one or two years so you never had like a growing love for the culture like oh my god samurai and totoro and dragon ball z and pokemon it wasn't Vampire like Fire hunter d and <laughs> not, initial d and not like really that. like growing up i liked pokemon and video mm. games and mm. stuff but i never like I don't know, built an identity around it or got oh, okay. too deep into it. It was kind of just, yeah, finding a way to get somewhere else. And Japan had lots of opportunities. Right on. So it was more of the location than the culture. And the beginning. Yeah, I would say so initially. I mean, I had interest in Japanese things, so I wasn't going in, like, unaware, but... Mm. It was still pretty new. I am very surprised by that answer because just looking at your Twitter timeline and some of the things that you've written, it seems as though you have a grasp upon a lot of things in this culture that even the most otaku type of people that I know, big anime, black geeks and everything, they don't really care about these segments. Like I, True So, so uh, it's really interesting to hear you say that. And I'm really looking forward to uh, learning more about this part of Japanese culture uh, while having you on the podcast. Cool. That said, can we go ahead and take a quick commercial break to talk about our sponsor, Calcombs.com. Yo, this episode is sponsored by Calcombs.com. Calcombs, your friendly neighborhood rapper. That's right, Calcombs.com has all the dopest merchandise that you can find online including his new alloy usb cases which house a copy of his album for 25 dollars. you purchase that he will send you the usb card which is made out of alloy which is some type of metal i think that's wolverine's bones are coated with that right no that's adamantium uh, i don't know me. if cal has given uh, adamantium out for 25 dollars, but you can definitely get his album uh on that and that's a great way to you know, get his album out. I you definitely really want to check out that album, Carmel, and also his previous project, uh, Insignificant Positivity. Mm. And you also probably want to buy some shirts or bags with the uh, promo astronauts code. Because if you do all that and the total goes over $30 and you use the special promo code Mega Late Show, lowercase, no spaces. No spaces. 25% off of your purchase. That's right. That's and a as winter is ending and we travel into spring, uh, a lot of the winter apparel is going out of stock. So make sure you pick up that Calcombs beanie and that Calcombs hoodie. Actually, I don't know if he has beanies, but pick up that hoodie for the low, low price of whatever you get discounted by using the Mega Late Show. Also, 25%. you want to see those promotional pictures because you see attractive Japanese women and Cal with his shirt off if you're into that. Oh, I didn't know Cal had his shirt off. I don't know if that's true. That might be hey. fake news. Might be fake news. Also, Cal has new skateboard grip tape with his logo on it. $25 will get you some type of length, perhaps the length of a skateboard. I will likely purchase that and use it as a self-defense mm. device. Y'all heard of Sad Boy Music? Well, this is Space Boy Music. That's right. Steve just came up with that right now. Sad He's Boy a professional. Space. Hey, all right. <laughs> Calcombs.com. Mega Late Show 2018. Support us. Out here. Yo. 
Yo, that's right. Mega Late Show, episode 28. Patrick St. Michelle. Hello there. Wonderful, wonderful. So at this point of the podcast, we can go ahead and get into some new news stuff about uh, everything here. What's popping in the hip-hop world or the... Um, the Japanese music world. Yeah, well. yeah whatever. I'll, I'll think about the J-pop news. What, what's going? Did on you guys with the hear J-pop? about that that fight that broke out at the uh, Supreme store? Oh yeah, what's I Supreme did see store that on Shibuya? Shibuya? I think I think it was the Supreme store in Shibuya. Yeah. Oh shit! What maybe happened? Harajuku? It was the last piece of uh, flannel, and they had to fight for it or something. Who knows what these hype beasts are doing? But uh, I don't know. I was looking at Twitter timeline, and people were saying these are obviously Chinese people that were causing the ruckus. Oh, and, of course. Yeah, they, they, then right. it must be Disrupting. over some merchandise, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a hype beast kind of guy that buys Supreme. Like if I had a hat, I'd probably wear it. But you're not going to catch me standing in line for hours or days to pick up anything. I got one Supreme hat. The reason why I got that is that I found it at a train station. And um, good just, job, not just like on a that chair, in, you know, God, yeah, God's plan basically. Oh, it was wow. flipped over, it's like, oh, what, what hat is this? Boom, <laughs> supreme yeah. with the silver, silver font and yeah. everything. I'm like, this was meant to I'm be, baby. it was meant for you, mijo. Yeah, yeah, mijo for sure. <laughs> I don't know where this inside mijo joke comes from, but I've heard it multiple <laughs> times. I don't know what they're doing. You're just as lost as I am on this mijo. It, it happened from the I, I Am Jesse event. Where I heard you guys say that at the end, but I have no idea what they're talking about with this mijo thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, feel I, like I kind I'm of just forgot myself. Something, so that's yeah. good. Yeah, it was funny. It man. works though. Yeah, we'll know. keep it mysterious for another few episodes, and then we'll, all right, we'll, talk we'll learn more about that. Breaking news, mijo. <laughs> I kind of wanted to talk about the Bruno Mars thing. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, is everybody that's, that's, aware of what's going that's on. That's a hot topic. That yes, hot topic right now. Oh man, I'm kind of exhausted about the conversation, but I love to partake with you guys. I mean, it is a podcast. I mean, I, I think it's a bit ridiculous. Actually, it. I don't want to speak on it for a long time. I just want to say, are you uh, pro Bruno or con? I'm neutral. Well, original MLS listeners will know that his song was my number one song yeah. year of 2015. I mm-hmm. think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh shit, your boy. 2016. 2016. Which song was that? 2016. Yo, I got my years fucked up. 24K or whatever. He he claimed it as a hip-hop song and Mega refuted it, basically. That's not a hip-hop song. It's pop R&B. I want to say refuted. No, I didn't. I just didn't think it was. was Uh, Disagree with. the criteria of of hip-hop. I mean, he's he's not a hip-hop artist. He makes, you know, New Jack's pop R&B. And he's not... black person i'm saying that with quotation marks he's a minority though yeah he's a person of color i mean his dad is like uh puerto rican and jewish i thought he was just puerto rican but i thought he was afro latino i'm not i'm not positive about that but he's a person of color i think he is i know he's never claimed that before but i just wanted to say i think the woman or young lady whoever made that she went overboard overboard right trash hot take that's one of the reasons we don't do hot takes on this podcast anymore. Because I didn't even hear what she was saying, but like just her mannerisms. I think she said she wanted him to die. I believe she said oh, that. Oh wow! See, oh, like, yeah, she overboard. was a bit too aggressive, and I was like, I ain't even gonna listen to what she's saying. Yeah, I I'm not with it. the The idea that he's culturally appropriating, I understand. Like, look, the the anger with that is coming from a very real place where people of color have historically had music genres co opted from them, never received the credit, and. Uh, for a lot in a lot of places they're excluded from being in these spaces mm-hmm. and when popular culture which is largely white 
uh, you know, just by sheer numbers, when pop culture gravitates to somebody making black art and they f- and it's more accessible to them because it's not a black artist, black people are going to feel some type of way. So I definitely agree that uh, cultural appropriation is an issue. Black people being excluded from some spaces is an issue. Uh, music industry politics is very much a real issue. So it's coming to me. It's coming from a very real place. And I think it's righteous anger. I think that in this case, it's a little bit mis- heavily mis- misdirected, misdirected yeah. against Mr. Yeah, Bruno Mars. Filipinos against- are like the black people of Asia, correct? Sure. Hip hop uh, Tagalog sounds like the most hip hop of all Asian languages with the bounce. But outside outside of his his racial ambiguity, um, just the idea of pro- appropriation. Even this is a white artist, he is consistently giving credit and shouting out always, the people whose music he's obviously influenced by. You have. I mean, when the Super Bowl was going to be at, in Atlanta, he's like, yo, they need for the halftime show, they need to get Amigos. Atlanta artists, on, yeah, uh, Atlanta yeah. artists yeah. on there, mm-hmm. people to represent he's the culture. He's speaking out, man. He's speaking he's out. always giving homage and praise. He's not. It's not a secret. He's not pretending like he's reinventing the wheel. He is co-opting sounds that he was influenced by. And when we think about cultural appropriation, there's real conversations to have. But at the same time, like culturally appropriating some shit is great in a lot of ways it's great in a lot of times authenticity is tremendously important like you know if you get some italian food yeah it's like the italian food from italy is more authentic to their culture but when you get pizza from somewhere else it's going to be a little different yeah they're culturally appropriating <laughs> that's terrible and whoever started that oh, wow that's just, I love here's the issue just as hot as the Bruno Mars debate. Wow. i i uh, baby Eat that shit. They call oh, it Hawaiian pizza, but it's Canadian. Shit. They call it Hawaiian, but it's it was created in Canada. Yes, you've taught me this, but yeah, still, it's trash. quite Hawaiian. Trash. <laughs> not trash, not trash. Right. The, the larger the larger point I wanted to make though is like, there's a real conversation to be said about cultural appropriation, but I think a lot of people got the Bruno Mars hot take. Like a lot of people didn't see him as a person of like uh, like a person that comes from the diaspora and, and black culture. But I think you know. I'm not I'm not as concerned about it as other people, Just obviously. All those debates that's one reason why I stay away from Facebook these days. I mean people sure. just get too into it, too heated yeah. and people start to judge people. I'm just I'm very anti Facebook now. I deleted it off my phone and I go in sometimes and I browse, you know, especially what you guys have to say and promote the MLS and stuff like that but yeah. just people just you know they, they start not liking each other just because of a oh, you know I definitely unfollow people when they're getting like a little too spicy with their opinions like you know like the I'm glad that Facebook has taken steps to make it more personal experience instead of people just resharing I mean, news articles. They've really suppressed that a little bit, so it doesn't come up in like the share algorithm as much, mm. which is dope because uh, you know I don't really care to find out about your political views by you resharing a bunch of fake news. You know, fake news. <laughs> fake the, news. the headline was great to you, and it's something you agreed with. So here in Japan cultural appropriation is a thing and they just don't really know well is it a thing i don't think they consider it a ding, thing. Ding, ding, no i don't ding, ding. i don't think that they have a i don't think largely like the culture Patrick, doesn't have that frame of reference can you think of any examples where uh like a japanese artist like i don't know looked at an american artist or something and was like yo they're like stealing our culture or something hmm that's a good question I'm trying to think recently. What about like the, okay. K-pop artists maybe getting the... That actually, yeah. 
K-pop artists get that a lot more, partially just because I think K-pop is way more like visible internationally. And you can kind of see, you know, it's like Big Bang would do G-Dragon has dreads now. Isn't yeah. that cool? And it's kind of clearly just a fashion thing. Yeah. Uh, and you do get people in America who would be like, mm, I don't know. who was it? Yeah, there's just a lot of people who point that out and say, you know, you're not honoring this correctly. You're coming at it from just a, it's like a fashion thing. You know, you don't understand the context behind it. Yeah. I think that probably would happen more with J-pop if it was more visible. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think the other way around too. Yo, can you speak in, into the mic? This oh, way. into the mic. Yeah, Sorry, I'm still. This, this is a first in-person podcast. No, no, it's Exciting. okay, man. No, no. History, baby. I'm, history. I'm still learning too. Like, I'd <laughs> like to put my whole mustache on the mic. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, as much as uh, we're into hip hop or just you know general, I don't know, not cultured things, being aware, socially <laughs> aware, uh, K-pop fandom or pop music fandom. I would say, yeah, even J-pop, it's, like, deep, you know? Like, they're serious about their fanship, you know? It's intense. Oh, man. Yeah, it's really intense. The the market's crazy. I don't want to engage in it, really, because I don't want to get flamed by any of these dudes, man. It looks so, like, I don't know. Whenever I look at K-pop fandom, it doesn't look... I mean, I'm sure it's great for everyone involved. It just doesn't look fun, because it's, like, with this group, uh, BTS, who are really big right now... Mm. Yo, I went back to America for uh, the holidays, and my cousin listens to BTS. Oh, really? And she went and watched them perform in Atlanta. Oh, really? No idea who BTS this behind the scenes. It's Big just, time spenders. It's, it's buy a, that shit. It's a K-pop group, <laughs> Big right? Time yeah, spenders. yeah. It's, it's like uh, a boy band. Okay. But they're Korean, obviously. Okay. But With Korean lyrics. I, yeah, I, yeah. I okay. For the most part, Sometimes they kind of like, drop in English, right? That's what they and do. they do Japanese songs now for oh, this market. Shit. They performed at the the ball drop in New York, I think. Or yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah, must be pretty big then. Ever since Psy did his thing, like Korea's the market has mm. been slowly creeping did, in. Definitely it did expand a lot with that. Yeah, it's but, it's interesting. Like, um, well, you know, is that cultural appropriation? Them like coming onto. You know, taking somebody's spot at the New Year's drop? <laughs> no, no, I don't think no. So. Taking somebody's spot. I mean, the, also at the same taking? time, like this is, this is like industry politics and things of that nature. That like, I don't know what these artists' intentions are when they're making this music or where their appreciation where the appreciation comes from. And I don't know if there's like any real cultural appropriation when it comes to pop music because pop music in its core is supposed to be accessible to the largest segment of listeners Mm -hmm. and to inspire them to like that music and and be a part of that music whereas something like subcultures like the punk scene or I mean even the rave scene back in the days and especially hip-hop a lot of that now hip-hop is pop you know there's a pop hip-hop but there still is very much a subculture of people whose uh routines and the the integrity and ethics of the culture are for foremost to in their mind me for example so when i see somebody like taking from an underground hip-hop artist and then making it go pop and then not giving that credit to me that's cultural appropriation because that person making the music be they black or whatever that person is taking from a culture and then using that for themselves to blow up and get big despite not being of the culture so i mean cultural appropriation is a weird conversation i definitely think that it is of 
it is of Bruno Mars's culture and his cultural experience to like fucking New Jack Swing and these sounds. And so he I just, can. I just got a question. Go ahead. I didn't want to cut you off at the end. Patrick. Yes. Atsugiri Jason. Yes. Is he a cultural appropriator? I don't think he's a cultural appropriator. I've heard more people say he's just a clown of yeah. like and just kind of sort of giving a bad impression of what non-Japanese people living here are like. You he's guys so... know this guy? Who is this cat? He's I think so. obviously not Japanese. Where he's is he from? from America originally. And he, what worked... does he do? I mean, he technically works in some software company, but he became famous as a comedian in on Japanese TV. Uh, he has a famous catchphrase. He has this whole skit. It's like, oh, look at this Japanese word. Do you think it makes oh, sense? Oh, why Japanese people? Is yes, him? why Japanese people? Oh. He just like screams that. That's the yeah. that's the shtick. I mean, he's just on his hustle, you know. Like, well, to his credit, he does do it all in Japanese. So he has put a lot of effort into mm. learning the language and mm. I think sort of integrating it into the culture. But at the same time, like. Even if you do all that, if the end result is just to be laughed at, like, does that make it okay? I just know lots of other non-Japanese people living in Japan who just see him and they're repulsed. Like, yeah. this is sending all the wrong messages. It's what a do bit we do? Of shucking and jiving yeah. as an American or a foreigner, because we're all foreigners. So yeah. you're yeah. saying he's making us look bad, basically. It's like, a caricature of... Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Mm. I mean... People that value certain things, uh, you know, with the with the um, with the 2020 Olympics coming up here in Tokyo, there was conversation about who should perform there, and like it's like should AKB48 represent Japan at the Olympics? And uh, what's the name of the uh, the I I want to say transgender performers, a little bit heavyweight uh, woman. I I don't know her name. Matsuko Deluxe. Okay, yes, right. And she was like, "Fuck no, not in that, not in that way." But she's like, "Absolutely not." That's why I like Absolutely her. Absolutely not. She her. It's ridiculous. She does but, not know. hold back. Yeah, yeah, she does not hold back. Good That's why her. a lot of Good people her. like her. Yeah. I rock with her. I was surprised that she was so openly accepted on Japanese television, which seems, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm not terribly familiar with Japanese. The in and yeah, outs. Yeah, I mean, it's of very Japanese homogenous, right but now, like. So. Some people that have gone through so much, like the way she has, hiding it and then being open and being herself, a lot of Japanese have accepted it. And yeah, you know, it's you know, good. It, the culture's changing slowly hey. but surely. Yeah, she's, she's like the biggest TV personality going. She's, yeah. Whatever she that's says, that's like, oh, is that right? Yeah, she's yeah, like she, worse. She, whatever she, was, she says, she was like, overworking herself and she got sick, so like she had to like step back from working so much. They even talked about it, but then she got back. She's doing her thing now. Big time. Do we have any other uh, pieces of news? Fuji Rock is coming up, isn't it? That's not until May or something? That is in July. The end of July. It's quite a while away then. They just just announced Bob Dylan though. Yes, Bob Dylan is the the big addition. That's really crazy. Yeah, I'm not a big festival guy. Like I've been to Coachella, but I'm just not a big festival guy. Me and Late went for Outcast 2015. How was that? Best concert ever. Was there too? Oh yeah, you were there. Yeah. I actually 14, work for Fuji Rock as oh, well. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like uh, they do an English language blog during it, and they just have this small team that sort of just covers all the artists while they're playing. So I'm part of that. So I, yeah, cool. I've been there a few years, and yeah, it's great. I want to ask, how'd you get your hustle on with like all these uh, people that you were pitch for Japan Times, the Fade, MTV? Gum. Like, where did you get yourself? 
there where you can like work for them? Well, it all started just doing the blog. Mm-hmm. I mean, as mentioned, I lived in Mie for mm-hmm. two years, mm-hmm. and where I was living, it was very rural. Mm-hmm. Like you had to travel an hour and a half to get to Osaka. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't much to do. Mm-hmm. So like I worked as an English teacher and after work, I would just kind of use the internet and try to learn about Japanese music uh, because I had written about music in America. I had interned at like a music publication and I thought, oh, I'm here. I might as well learn. And I noticed there weren't many blogs covering music here. So it was kind of just doing it for a fun basically at first Mm -hmm. and i just kept doing it and eventually um the editor the music editor at the japan times sean mckenna he saw the blog he's always looking for writers so he just reached out to me and said oh you should pitch ideas try things and that was really the starting point wow and shout out to sean thank you sean yeah uh, and then just other places, it's some of it's just reaching out to editors out of the blue and just being like, this is an interesting Japan thing. Check mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. The case with Pitchfork actually is kind of funny because they had done a review of the J-pop artist Kyari Pamu Pamu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That was in like 2012, 2013. It was a really bad review. Oh, because, of the album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her second album. And it was... The writer didn't know anything about Japanese music. He wasn't doing the education. Exactly. So... I wrote like oh this oh, be, this is a throwback. to be fair it's not it's not her best album <laughs> oh really oh, it's not her best album. This is a debate I'm, for another time my but. students love her <laughs> <laughs> I mean her music videos are fire I oh they're fantastic they're I mean so I like good. the first album a lot mm-hmm. second album I'm okay. I'm okay I did not know late was dabbling so much into I knew he Japanese like, popular he, he music. This about, is why I'm here. You know, to, no? He talked about Kiari Pami a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've listened to her a couple times, but... This is probably his guilty pleasure the way K-pop is Snoop Dogg's guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Not guilty. Oh, <laughs> oh no shame in the game, baby. About it. All right. Um, temperature check. Let's go ahead and get into that. So this is a segment of the podcast where we just ask you a couple questions, things of that nature. Um, since you're not a tremendous hip-hop fan, right? Not a huge hip-hop fan? Uh, I know a bit about it. It's more just like since I moved to Japan, I don't follow what's happening in America as closely. Mm. Uh, in college, I loved hip-hop. It was great. That was when well, let's Kanye start with West. That. Yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah. start uh, college. Your favorite hip-hop act. That was when, oh man, so I went to school in Chicago, and this was when Kanye had just put out, what was it, Late Registration? Fuck yeah. So he was kind of really breaking out at that point, and I remember he came to our campus to do a show. Oh wow. And that was such a big deal. We're about the same age then. Yeah, yeah. Because Kanye came to my school and did a show also for Late Registration. What year is that, like 2005? Yeah, 2005. Yeah, okay. So... Yeah, and just everybody at the time, it was just Kanye, Kanye, Kanye yeah. everything. It was great. So yeah, Chicago must have been crazy. Oh, it was fantastic, yeah. yeah. So during that period, yeah, it was a lot of Kanye. And then what else was big in Chicago at the time? I mean, he kind of just towered over everything. Twista, when I was in maybe? School. A little bit of Twista. And then I guess Common still Common a little was bit, yeah. Putting out albums, but at that I think point he Go was also came out around that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also starting to do movies at that time. I remember we watched. He was in some action movie and it was just like, oh, I don't know. About Lucky this. number eleven, maybe. Aces. Maybe. Smoke, yeah. Aces. Smoking aces. Smoking aces. Smoking aces. Smoking aces. Smoking aces. That's it. Yeah. 
Shout out to Common's acting career. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Common. Chase your dreams, Lonnie, you know. Go for it. Hey. Uh, okay. Um, how about like uh, what type of what is your favorite music genre? Mm, probably at this point, I probably lean more elect electronic, like, but also a lot of electronic pop, like a little bit of. I mean, growing up, it was all rock, indie rock. That's kind of like how I got into music. And like any rap I listened to initially was just like, oh, what does Pitchfork have to say about rap music? Mm. <laughs> and like, and then you eventually kind of broaden your horizons. I used to get a lot of my news about indie rock from Stereo Gum. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like Stereo yeah, that's, Gum a lot. They're on, they're on that beat well, so. Yeah. What about uh, some Japanese questions? Mary yes. Fuck Kill. Okay. Mary Fuck Kill. Family Mart, Lawson's, 7-Eleven. Ooh, okay. You can trade one for Daily Yamazaki. That's okay, too. You cannot. That's a foul. Okay. I'm going to get Steve out of here. He keeps on trying to culturally appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) He loves Daily Yamazaki, Yamazaki. baby. I'm curious why. I'm rooting for the underdog, basically. I mean, that's fair. Mini Stop. He likes the idea of Mini Stop is dope, too. Mini Stop is like like an artisanal convenience store, you know? They've got good soft cream. Exactly. Ice cream there. I got to stick it to the corporation sometimes, you know? Yeah, the mom. Pop the shop daily Yamazaki. <laughs> I mean, they make making as much green as these three. That's so. because you know people They're speak trash. with their dollars, man. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have to make the argument against that later when we're talking about music. But okay, I think I might have to switch though. Like Lawson, I might fuck Lawson. So I would agree with that. I would definitely fuck Lawson. Yeah, um, I would marry 7-Eleven. I feel it's the most dependable. That oh. makes sense. What happened? That's recently my kill. I kill 7-Eleven. Really? Oh. I'm just disappointed they don't no, have I Slurpee got, machines here. Like I gotta that. kill 7-Eleven. Some of them do. Their alcohol I've seen one. sucks. I've seen Some one. of them. Some yeah. could I be one. I heard. I've heard of one more. Trash. Mm, wow. Trash alcohol section. Yeah, it's just very limited. I was looking for my little um, whiskey water drinks, and 7-Eleven didn't have it. I went across the street to Family Mart. You know, mm, they had it. 7-Eleven has those 7-Eleven. Brand alcoholic beverages like blue, they're called like alcohol cooler or mm. some some type of name that I just don't like. I don't, for some reason, I don't like the idea of a 7 Eleven brand alcohol. It reminds me too much of like Sam's Club Cola or like Great Value Gummy Bears or something. Yeah. And so, recently I've learned, and uh, shout out to member, <clears throat> unofficial member number five, that uh, the line money card is easiest to use at Lawson's. All the other convenies make it. Uh, a hassle you have to jump through a lot of hoops really Lawson's you can just go and top up so yeah shout out to my boo Lawson's so Lawson's originally came from America right yes did it Um, Ohio yeah so Ohio does the Lawson family still reap (laughs) did you get did it (laughs) anyways does the Lawson family still reap some benefits they got a percentage up in there and shit like that do you know I didn't no even idea. know it was American. Patrick? I imagine uh, the descendants of Mr. Lawson are just l- cruising off of this Japanese money they make. So. They got a little percentage. Oh, when they show money. up in Japan, there's like a line of people in blue and white striped shirts calling them Lawson-san. Just like... <laughs> no, they're probably not allowed to come back like the uh, like the rightful era of the Okinawan Islands. They just keep him in Tokyo and <laughs> they don't let him go to Okinawa so he doesn't try to usurp power. I think it's important though, like, I mean, McDonald's, they never reap the benefits. You know, they got a cash... They cashed out. Now they don't have a percentage. Coca-Cola was even a worse story. I don't want to get into it. But uh, oh, so I don't know the Coca-Cola story. Uh, Apparently, I don't know shit about Japan at all. 
It's like Lawson's is American. Right? Yeah. I thought it was just yeah, the name. Is. But no, just Seven Eleven. I know the family still gets some money. I'm wondering about Lawson's. And you know, Carrie Pammy Pam is from California, right? Yeah. Fake news. <laughs> Big old hashtag. Right. Get him off the feed. Fake Get him off. News. Cute. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've watched music videos, but not for the music. <laughs> hey. Uh, okay. Does anybody else have temperature check questions? I have more, but I don't want to dominate. I I kind of want to like get a feel for uh, like you said you like electro pop. Mm-hmm. Can you say like what's the hottest song right now? And maybe what was the hottest song like last year or something for like electro pop or just in Japan or your personal favorite? Last year was like Pineapple Pen. That was uh, <laughs> that was two years ago. Two years oh, ago. Oh, sorry, sorry. He's still making that work for him, though. Yeah, apparently, Just yeah. him. you know the remixes. Like, doing his thing, man. <laughs> that fucker. Anyway, Is I he a fucker? Him. Huh? Yeah. I interviewed oh, you him. Did? Yeah. He's, was he cool? Cool cat. He's very nice in person. Very, very. Handles the fame well. Okay, oh, that's good. That's good. good he was him. a comedian, or he is a comedian he's before a comedian. that, right? He's... Is he making money? Oh yeah, yeah, he's... yeah, yeah. Is he making more money than Lola though? Because Lola be killing the game right now. She's I, the, she's I would say hottest. overall, I think Lola has more of a like, you know, the long tail for her career is good. Yeah. Pico Taro, he just made it all at once. Uh, he's set. Oh, okay. It's like he can relax now. Made like, that one big like Skilo. Just get that. I wish money and be out. <laughs> If he runs out of money, he can just hit up his homie Justin Bieber and be like, "Yo, can you wire me like you know oh, a million dollars?" Oh, they're tight like that. So I've heard. Yeah. Made, him, oh, okay. made him famous. Oh, oh is that right? Is, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. the retweet that said it? That's all? the retweet that just changed everything in Japanese music. Yo, can I? Yo, we need to holler at Justin Bieber. Can we make Patrick our official Japanese correspondent? Our senior, Anytime, J- our senior, yeah, our senior correspondent. Yeah, correspondent. yeah. Just, I just phone me every week. Yeah, like, yeah, every what's week, happening? We need to know what's going on with this. <laughs> what's happening with Pico Taro? Yeah, it's just Pico Taro. We just want Pico Taro updates. Right? <laughs> I could offer Pineapple that. Pencil Remix? <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Uh, what's where's the where, where's your favorite place in Tokyo? What's your favorite? Oh, no, 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 he didn't answer the question. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. No, oh, sorry. What was the question? Uh, so it's, hottest song this year and last year. Oh, so sorry. especially especially in terms of like electro pop, this year the best thing I've heard. I don't know if you know. There's this uh, anime that's gotten pretty popular. It's called Pop Team Epic. Oh no! Oh no! I'm not not familiar. It's like I don't know. It's like if you condense Twitter into a cartoon. It's nothing but like references to other things and just being like, ah, oh, look at this thing. Remember it? Fuck you. Um, <laughs> Sounds like my kind of jam. Audience. Yeah, it does kind of sound like your jam a little bit. It's pretty good. Highly like recommend. Uh, the audience is just people who are addicted to the internet, basically. Uh, the theme song to that is this really incredible perfume-like like electropop jam. I'm down. I would definitely check that out. Even if you don't watch the show, it just stands on its own. It's What's it called again? Pop Team Epic. Pop Team Epic. Yeah. So that would be so far this year. Okay. Yeah. I'm check that out. Put that on the the docket and check that out a little bit later. And what about last year? Last year, it's a little less heavy. Like, electropop, you imagine this is very, like, maximalist, crunchy, like, mm. filters everywhere. There was a really good, dreamier dance pop song by a group called Mondo Grosso. It's mm. the... It's this long-running DJ in Tokyo, uh, Shinichi Osawa. He does this pop project, too. Can you say that name one more time, please? Shinichi Osawa. Sounds like you're saying Shitty Chiosawa? Shinichi. 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 Oh. 
I think I've heard of him. That name goes hard. I like that. Yeah. So, he made a song called Labyrinth with this project, and it's really good. Uh, really good, like, woozy, dream pop feel to it. Recommend that one. 26... What year was it last year? 2017? 2017, yeah. Okay, I'm also having trouble. Yeah, we're going far. Okay, so Vocaloid, is that dope or is that not dope? Depends. I would say overall it's dope, Mm. Um, but a lot of times it can be very... Trash. Yes. Very much so. Have you ever seen the... To tie everything together, somebody last year made this Vocaloid cover of a Ko song, the Japanese rapper Ko. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got heard it. Is it good? It's interesting. Okay. Um, and it comes with a video of like the anime Vocaloid person like dabbing. It's very bewildering moment in Japanese pop culture. Sounds like a little bit of cultural, cultural appropriation. appropriation. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can, can Vocaloids do that? Oh, that's, that's the right. question. Can androids dream your of shit? <laughs> dream of electric cultural appropriation? <laughs> dream of exploitation? Yeah. No, I mean the person behind it is responsible for it. You know. Uh. I don't know if Vocaloids are dope, uh, but what is dope is Hatsune Miku's live performance with the hologram. That shit is dope. I what agree. Is, what that. is also dope is Perfume's live performance. Well, I don't know what they're doing now, but when I f- was first getting into them, their l- live show was crazy, man. Like holograms and like copies of them doing the dances at the same time. You went to it? You checked it out? The one I went to didn't have that. I went to a countdown, like a year-end mm-hmm. concert, so they didn't have their full setup. You'd be going like to these rhythm. events not even hitting me up, bro. I want to check these out, these too. Were, these were early Tochigi days, man. Oh, early word. Tochigi Hell yeah. Days. Yeah. Straight up. Uh, yeah, I kind of fell off on following them. I'm not I'm, I'm not really sure what they sound like right now. Like, after JPN? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, I kind of petered off a little bit. It's still going. It's oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's more. They've introduced more like EDM things. Like I think that's why I fell Skrillex. off. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I also sorry, getting real deep now. Uh, also, uh, uh, Capsule. Yes, the producer uh, Nakata Yasutaka's. I would say his harder like main, not electro pop like. What, what John would you call that? Like electronic. Some people would put that. It's still kind of electro pop, electro house. Yeah. Some people would put that in the blog house category of like justice. Never and, even heard that. Before. <laughs> yeah, blog I'm house. On that, all those terms. But yeah, like the last couple albums, like it's gotten a little too EDM for me, so I've kind of moved away from that. Also. That's fair. Yeah, it definitely has. Yeah. Who is the hottest J-pop superstar in the game right now? Of all time? Right, right now. Right, right, now. Now. right now. Who would be the... Oh, it's it's probably Nami Amaro since she's retiring. That's all anybody oh, wants that to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. This famous uh, J-pop star from the 90s who kind of still kept going after she got really huge. What's her like, hit songs? Uh, her, she has like the best-selling J-pop single of all time. It's called Can You Celebrate? It's like a wedding ballad. If I called her the... Japanese Mariah Carey, how appropriate is that? I think that's the go-to comparison. Lots of really? people do. I don't know how Madonna I'm going to say Madonna. Yeah. I actually think Madonna's would be more, more accurate because she's okay. kind of more eclectic in really? the sound. I didn't know she was that big. I kind of just threw that out there. Hey, hey that's good. She's like, she's like, I don't yeah. need to learn about hey. J-pop. You <laughs> Culturally <know>. appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I, if we don't have any more temperature check questions, should we take a commercial break? Do I we have more temp? I wonder if we can do this. Do it. 
So you know the classic angel and devil on your shoulder, right? Yes. So for us who aren't necessarily so well-versed in Japanese culture, can you tell us some Japanese pop culture or talent? Who's the angel and who's the devil that we would or our listeners would understand? Okay. So in terms of... Like your angel is like you know the person like do the right thing and you know be a good person and then the devil's like nah let's uh, drink in front of the kombini until four o'clock and teach these kids tomorrow. Okay, some hoes. (laughs) Let's go to Rapongi. For some hoes. (laughs) Get crazy. Tall cans. Bring into the club. Appropriate. (laughs) Oh, that's a good question. Let's see. I mean, in terms of the angel of contemporary J-pop, it'd probably have to be somebody like uh, Hoshino Gen. Oh, I don't, I don't know. He is, he's, he might actually be the most popular contemporary J-pop artist. He's a guy, he's an actor too. He shows up in movies and dramas. He was in a really big drama a couple years back. Is he an actor or is he an, a whacter? He is a. He would say he's an actor. The look on his face is like artist corner. Like, is he? Yeah, this is my term that I call a whacker. A (laughs) whacker. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, we're doing. We're doing really good faces. Yeah, we're making a lot of good faces here. (laughs) (laughs) Are the cameras recording? Did we record? Are Are there cameras? Yeah, there are multiple. Oh God! It is not recording. Let me hit start record. So, I'll sit up straight now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow, it's empty. Yeah, I don't know. We're not recording anything here. Yeah, huh? But okay. uh, he's like fifty percent. Okay. Like yeah, that. But he's really good. He's really like cheesy, like good personality. He sings about like cartoons and loving your family. So mm. it's like, oh, look how so fun he's a this good, guy. Is. He's a good guy overall. He's a good guy. That's okay. the image he puts forward. That's all that matters. That's exactly. The devil. The devil of J-pop. Who would the devil be? Oh, could be Pigotaro. Oh, oh really? Shit. Shots fired. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say that, he's but good. I didn't want to. He's fun. He's fun. He's a he's a fun Satan. He's hanging out with Bieber. Of course, he's the devil. Right? Yeah. He's met so many famous people, like the chain smokers, like him. Huh? They're kind of devils too, I guess. Huh. They're definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. we can yeah, all agree on that. Yeah, I think that's a fact. You see him throwing out it's in the, the Bible. You know, the goat. No, they did some real anti-woman shit to that singer. Also, yeah, gross. Like well, they also were racist, right? There oh, was... I don't know. I don't even know about that. I just assumed. Well, well, <laughs> right. I don't have the, I don't I have just the facts. I just looked at his face you know. and I assumed. They were like I on Chinese television it. and I think they did an accent or something. It's just like, I don't know about it. That sounds like a... Said flight lice or something like that. Something like sir. that or bastards. So yeah, Pico Taro. Hey, good question. Because there's not good many, answer. there's not many J-pop artists right now who are like, yeah, let's do, let's live it up and be bad. Like, everything yeah, is pretty wholesome. Very their image, right? Like AKB48 girls can't even have a boyfriend. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. for sure. There is the uh, AKB48 has an official air quotes I'm making official rival group. They kind of made like it has this. It's the same producer making them. Nogisaka 46? Yeah, and them and Keakizaka 46. Represent Nogisaka 46. Wait, I thought they were sister groups. No? Well, no, they're technically rivals with AKB, oh. but it's kind of like officially sanctioned rivals. It's like, oh yeah, they're rivals, but no. 
I rock with Nogusak 46. <laughs> I am learning so much today. I was like, wow, they got gang beef? Wow, this, this is incredible. Uh, Subpoena by AK. Yeah, like everything is going over my head, but it's so fascinating. Do they, are like, if they see each other on the street, is it on site? They're going to box? Or like, I think they, they, yo, what set you claim, motherfucker? Yeah, they might have to do a contractually obligated, like, dance off. That's possible. Oh, man. Are there, are there, uh, are there fan bases, like, into you know fighting each other i don't think so i think usually the fights between idol fans and j-pop are between like radically different groups it's like it'd be an entirely different girl group that actually isn't associated with this product oh, you'd they, be like yeah, they're, they're they're the bad ones ours is the wow. best they're trying to get that publicity though mega late show episode 28 2018 we are here with patrick st michelle and steez baby and- Late. Boop, boop, Let's boop. take a little commercial break. Peace, y'all. This is Patrick St. Michelle, a writer, blogger, founder of MakeBelieveMelodies.com, and you are listening to The Mega Late Show. You want to bring us back in? Yo, what up? Welcome back to the Mega Late Show. We are with Patrick St. Michelle. Hello. Heavily acclaimed writer of the Japan Times, the Atlantic, the Fader, MTV Vice, all that good stuff, bringing it to you of the Japanese music scene. And we are about to get into it. That's right, man. Patrick is, if you're listening to this, then you've heard the whole thing. But Mega, myself, I'm really learning a lot about uh, <laughs> things that I never knew about. So it's been a great experience, Patrick. Thank you for rocking with us, man. No worries. Thank you for having me. Like I, like I said, I think we're going to jump him into the Mega Late Show gang, hey. and he'll be our official J-pop correspondent. Gang, All the gang. Vocaloid news. Gang, gang. Here for you. I told Akira at the last, at the event we did with Jesse, like, uh, we kind of stopped at the number 12. And like every official member is just unofficial member is just thirteen from now on. So you're unofficial member number thirteen. Number thirteen. All right, it sounds good. I'm pretty sure everybody that's been on the podcast is an it's unofficial member of the Mega Late Show <laughs> podcast. Now we're gonna jump them in so we can finally go to war with AKB48. Oh, finally. How many members idea. do we need to really like good square up with them? Forty-six. Forty. Forty-six. <laughs> mm. Cripes. All right. So this is the weather report segment of the podcast, and I think Late is going to get us started with his first choice. Yeah, so this is just our segment where we talk about some kind of track and just to spark some discussion. So I have chosen this for today. Vocaloid? (laughs) 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 This is the new designer track. (laughs) Hologram designer? (laughs) Uh, This this sounds dope. uh, ECD. Oh! Um, Oh! It's called Cutting Edge. And uh, actually... It's or this rapper is one of the main reasons why Patrick is on the show today because I was doing some research on the CRAC, the Counter Racist Action Collective out here in Japan. Props to them. Uh, I had gone to an art show and linked up with some people and found out about ECD because I wasn't familiar, so I was looking it up. And one of the first things I saw was a tweet by Patrick saying uh, rest in peace because he passed away this year. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with this guy's music or or even crack. Uh, Late actually recently put me onto that. And um, I got to say, man, I, I, I rock with it. This, this my wife probably knows it. My wife is a break dancer. She probably knows this track. It's 
that beat to me is very melodic. And you know, that's a weird thing about like um, Japanese rap, right? Because the Japanese language only has like what five vowel sounds, yeah. And English has like close to 20, 18, or something like this. Like uh, Japanese rap can sound very monotone and monotonous when you're listening to it, and because of the way that like. The sentences end with the verbs. They're able to paint like these very clear descriptions of what they want to say. It's like very easy for them to do. Jap a lot of Japanese rap does not really interest me. It takes somebody using, um, you know, vocal inflections and uh, different timing and cadences like this. It's very melodic to me, despite you know, sounds great. Plus, this track, if you listen, if you can hear it, it's called uh, Cutting Edge, and there's actual like cuts during his verses like it's like a like a stutter or uh if you're familiar with chopped and screwed it's like the duh, 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 go back to what he just said a little bit kind of thing do you know when this track came out 95 wow that's kind of wikipedia i only know that because of wikipedia i want to say this sounds a little bit progressive for that era but who knows like that shit is pretty pretty I don't know, man. This makes me want to get up in like up rock and six step and hit some windmills. Yeah, dope, I, man. I'm definitely gonna do more research and find out yeah. more. I've, I've got to, I've got to find out about them as well. Or, you, you reposted about it. Are you familiar with this this guy? I was a bit familiar with him. I first heard about him because he was also very active in the anti nuclear protests that yeah. popped up after the uh, Fukushima. Daiichi incident back in 2011. He was very vocal. He was at a lot of demonstrations. I wrote a little bit about artists who were involved in that. And yeah, he was just super outspoken about it. And yeah, that was sort of my intro. And then you kind of go back in time and he's just, yeah, one of the most influential Japanese hip hop artists. Started in 1990, I think. Maybe Early. even earlier. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. He's definitely one of the first to really sort of bring it closer to mainstream attention. So, yeah, I know. It's super important figure in Japanese music history. That's great, man. This guy's phenomenal. I really like this track a lot. Yeah, and a real, like uh, Patrick was saying, activist. I don't, revolutionary sounds weird, but, you know, against the system's bullshit kind of guy. He sounds like somebody that I rock with, man. I would like to have a coffee with this guy. What did he pass away of? Oh, I think it was cancer. Right? It was cancer, yeah. And he had been man. sick for like a year and a half, but he still was he was still doing things while he was sick, still going to demonstrations, still releasing music. Yeah, he was committed to the very end. So huh. very Yeah, you can see I videos of him protesting on YouTube. I support that guy tremendously. I'm I'm really I'm really rocking with that guy. Hundred percent. Uh, do you want to go next, or should I should I go next, and we'll save uh, Patrick's for for last, and go right into the interview segment? All right. Mm. So so my my track is off of a compilation album called Miku Hop, which is a, a it's it's basically making uh, hip hop versions of like Miku uh, Hatsune Miku's uh, music, which she is a Vocaloid. She theme. is the Vocaloid. She is the Vocaloid artist. And um, I wasn't really too familiar with her until that Big Boy track. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. You just reminded me of something. I did an interview at a school recently, and the guy told me the person who programs Hatsune Miku, not the, the music, but like the visuals, I guess, for the performance and everything, mm. is a student at their school. Oh, wow. In Setagaya. Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Mm. Um, so what was I thinking? Um, 
Yeah, so I found out about her at uh, through this Big Boy track, and then I realized that I also saw like the hologram performance at uh, the Comic Con that happened the year before. And when I saw it, I was just like, "Man, Japanese people are weird. Like, this is not even a person like performing. This is like watching a YouTube video." But everybody, like, so many people were there, like, "Wow!" And they were treating it as though this person was like, as though she was really there mm. and very excited and hyped to see this performance to me it was like oh it was a tupac hologram like i don't really you know tupac's dead like you know right. i'd be happy if, to see him perform but a hologram uh, it's cool for you know the spectacle of it mm. and then i listened to the music and i was like wow this vocaloid stuff is kind of interesting the way that they're chopping vocals and and it's digitalized uh, digitized and sounds really interesting and a lot of artists that i listen to in hip-hop like prefuse 73 chops vocal samples and makes you know uses the voice as instrument dose one uses voice as instrument micah nine voice as instrument and that's what i was kind of getting from this and so this track is i, I want to say it's like a guilty pleasure because i don't really like anything else on the compilation except for this song and i played it enough to the point where my wife was like Stop. Stop it. It just makes me feel Mo good, Yamate? man. And it's it's it, it just makes me feel good. To me, it sounds so, kinda good. It's is really this wavy. The original track or the sample track? Well, I think I don't I actually don't know how it came together. If they took a, a track and then chopped up those vocals to make it more hip hop, or if they made their own Miku samples. I don't know how Vocaloid works. If it's just like I can make her voice and use it any way that I want. It's like a synthesizer. You just right. go into it and yeah, you just select the syllable or the sound you want and then sort of arrange it. You yeah. can adjust the pitch, do all of that. So this sounds like, yeah, they went yeah. in and kind of just adjusted everything very finely yeah. to give it this flow. Yeah. But the way she bounces, like, you know, when I listen, because my Japanese is not good at all, like, I don't understand. 80% of the things that people are saying to me in Japanese. I still appreciate Japanese rappers, but what I'm looking for is cadence and the way that they flow, how they match up with the beat, the vocal, um, you know, the vocal qualities that they have. And as I'm listening to this, like, I know it's not, they're not Japanese words that are being said here, but it's chopped up and it's melodic. I feel kind of like, like she's spitting a verse. Right? Doesn't it sound like Die Antwoord's wife? Ninja? Yeah. No, no Ninja's ninja. the guy. No, 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 the, the, the Miss Ninja. Oh, what is her name? Because you're right, it does sound like her. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I forgot. I do not know. Let me find out. Me. Yeah, but I, I dig... I think it is Japanese. Yeah? It is it? I can't understand I can't it, make but... out any of the, the words. Yolandi Visser. Yolandi. Ah, Yolandi, yeah, Yolandi Visser. Yolandi. That is what makes this interesting, though, is that because a lot of Vocaloid producers, they try really hard to make sure that every word is really clear and that you understand. They're, like, really focused on meaning. I find a lot of Vocaloid producers, that's not that interesting when they do that. It's way more interesting when they use it as an actual instrument, like this, where it just sounds good. Yeah. I mean, there's maybe one more. I think there's maybe 18 tracks on this, right? There's maybe one more song that I'm like, oh, okay, I can listen to this. But this one, I played it on repeat like 20 times the first time I heard it. It's just got a, it's just got a good vibe to me. It makes me feel like I'm walking through, you know, the city or like. Yeah, this is hot. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, so I don't know anything about Vocaloid, but you know, 
it it fits kind of this this song fits my general like aesthetic and things that I like about music qualities. The beat is a really dope sample loop. The, the drums are a little bit up tempo for my breakdance sensibilities, and it sounds like she's styling, like you know. Well, Patrick, do you know anything about Vocaloid specifically? That's why I played it. I wanted to kind of get your take on your yeah, thoughts yeah, on yeah. Vocaloid. So yeah, with Vocaloid, I mean, it is, yeah, basically a software you can buy over the counter, anywhere over the counter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you get it. And then I want you that get hard it, Hatsune Miku, man. <laughs> Give me that H. <laughs> The dirtiest vocal it doesn't got. have to be prescribed to you or anything? No, no, no. Okay. Just you get it however you want. And yeah, <laughs> you go in, you make the vocal track, and then you can just put it, combine it with music. I find a lot of Japanese producers use it for rock, mostly. Um, Vocaloid got big on Nico Nico Doga in the late 2000s. Which is a video platform. It's basically... It was basically... Japan's YouTube before YouTube caught on here. Um, this got big around the same time as the group Perfume, who I wrote about, uh, and they have a similar sort of vocal uh, aesthetic to them. They're both very digital. Like some people would say, I mean, with Vocaloid, it is kind of a robot, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, it sounds very unnatural. The idea behind it originally, I interviewed one of the people who designed it a long time ago. They wanted to create a digital voice that sounded as human as possible, but customers really liked how unnatural it sounded. So everybody, like with this, you can hear that it's got this computer, like you can see the pixels falling off every right. syllable. Huh. But that's not what they intended. Yeah. That's just users going for it. And I do think that's the most interesting sound. And yeah, people have applied it to all sorts of genre. Uh, rock's a big one, a lot of ballads. Um, there are, I've heard other hip hop tracks using it. There was one compilation released last year in Japan it was a uh, Vocaloid Juke, like the Chicago like, oh, foot, wow. footwork, footwork, footwork music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, that sounds. I would dope. listen to that. That's yeah. really good because it just uses it as you know, like a footwork. That sounds perfect track. for yeah. Footwork. Yeah, I know it's yeah. awesome. So I would. I hadn't even thought down. that it would work until you mentioned it. But that sounds like yeah, that's dope. Yeah, so I think Vocaloid's at its most interesting when people experiment with it. Like, this isn't what you normally hear from the Vocaloid scene, so I, this is like a nice... Nice. Tr yeah. Like, if any listeners haven't explored Vocaloid music, it's often not Different like this. Different than this, yeah. I, I tried, because when I saw her in that Killer Mike video, I was like, oh, this is... Like, she in the video? Well, yeah, they have an actor portraying her, like a Japanese actor or actress, excuse me. And um, that wasn't that wasn't that porno I sent you. No, that that one is really good too. And actually, I think she looks better than the. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Um, shout out to BetterFab.com. Uh, <laughs> anyway, had to drop uh, it, baby. Had to drop it. Yo, they're gonna be our sponsor Second soon. Sponsor. No, but this this you know this Second um sponsor. I find it I find it fascinating because the way that we attach ourselves to to artists now you know like in the fandom especially here in japan is it can be rabid it, it can be just like a like tremendously powerful force this fandom um you know like believers or bieber yeah. bieber believers or whatever and people are attaching themselves to i don't know it's like i love spider-man like you know i've loved spider-man since i was a kid but i wouldn't go to like a concert to see Spider-Man, you know, like it's I know it's not a real person. You know, I'd want to know who was the person behind 
making this and like oh so she's how, like you know? a gorillas like yeah. a virtual well, no i mean the gorillas idol? the gorillas are like there's artists that are you know singing and playing the instruments with her it's like somebody's programming is it a man is it a is a male guy that's it's, making the music behind it, it? i don't it's, no it's, idea. there's a whole like variety of producers doing it uh some it's probably mostly men um but there are women who are making it as well and but if you go to a hatsune miku concert it's like hologram just her sometimes there's a band behind her and they just play these artist songs but it's all just hatsune miku nobody's like going there to see i really want to see vocaloid artist x they're all there for the character right Mm. tupac's hologram is opening up for hatsune miku like they don't do that it's so fascinating to me this this part of japanese culture how how long has she been around since 2007 Dang, she's had a, you know, her career probably going to last longer than Lil Yachty's. Lil Yachty. <laughs> <laughs> hey. they, could, they could make a Lil Yachty vocaloid and anybody could download it. Yeah, and yeah, just, with that. Here's an idea for everybody. Steez. Yo, Mega, I need you it. to cut this out of the episode. <laughs> we don't want to give away Mega Late pro- Show is transitioning from, from podcast <laughs> to... Mumble rap vocaloids? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's oh, actually kind of brilliant. Yeah. Don't don't let this out. This is our own little little thing. Don't let Coach K. So what do we got? What do we got um, next? Uh, next is Patrick. Right? Okay. Oh, I'm I'm I'll very interested in see what he's going to play. All right. So I guess I'll introduce this. Um, I don't know. Last year in America, there was this. Maybe it started with the New York Times. Maybe it was just kind of a natural thing. There was this introduction of something called SoundCloud rap. Artists like Lil Peep, uh, maybe Lil Uzi Vert. It's definitely Lil a thing. Pump, Lil Pump's definitely in there. There's, at the end of last year, a lot of Japanese artists started popping up who were kind of also inspired by these artists, uh, especially Lil Peep. This is one of them. The artist is named Sleep Mage, originally from Sapporo, but currently living in Tokyo. And what I find interesting about this is one, it sounds a lot different than a lot of other, like, like Ko. It doesn't sound like Ko yeah. or sort of Salu or any of the mainstream J rap. Um, what interests me about this, one, it's very like sad boy rap. Yes. Shout out to sad boy rap. Yeah. This guy really is into the whole sad boy thing. Emo um, rap, baby. What not I quite, find, not quite emo. Like, what I think's interesting is he's, he, I think he's taking cues from like Japanese rock from the '90s. He has a few other songs that actually almost sound Visual K. Well, uh, that visual, that makes sense with the SoundCloud rappers because a lot of them, if you lo- read their interviews, a lot of their influences weren't necessarily hip hop. They'd say like, oh, Nirvana or Grunt or something of that. Yeah. Nature. Before they'd say uh, to rapper, yeah. Huh. Little Peep is the guy that he's the one that overdosed and died away, a few months ago. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Rest yeah. Okay. I wasn't too familiar with this stuff, but after he passed away, I went back and listened, and I can see is, the inherent qualities. And this is also very much this straight up more Malone, more that man. than than Takashi sixty nine. Oh, you know? definitely. Yeah. Way different. It is like immediately though. It does have that sad boy rap vibe. That that depression as vehicle. If you uh, search for uh, this song is called uh, 
What is it, Sleepy Trippy Mage? Yes, yes. If you Sleepy search, Trippy Mage. If you search for this on YouTube, there's a video oh, yeah. for it, which is literally just a loop of a sad anime girl, like, putting her head down. Yeah, she, like, has her head in her hand, and she just, like, sighs and goes down. Like, it's that's just, very like, much their aesthetic, is, like, it's anime, but depressed. Like, it's, it's funny, just, man. It makes me think, like, because a lot of those guys aesthetic or visual style leans heavily on like vaporwave which pulls a lot from or uses Japanese kind of things in there so it's a weird kind of feedback feedback loop going on if they're doing the same thing over here it's like Good appropriating point. the appropriators that's yeah, all culture is nowadays right <laughs> I'm back yeah. and forth culturally appropriate I don't know why I keep confusing. saying that I'm sorry I keep on going back to that I don't know I felt that it was a good thing title title maybe all right. Um, That's a cool that, track. That was, I that it. was an interesting... You know, like, yeah. like a lot of times uh, when I listen to music, um, it has to resonate for me. And one of the reasons I don't resonate with like some of the young kids is because I'm not doing drugs and turning up at the club or anything like that. And so like I'm not like into a lot of the club vibe and aesthetic. But sad boy shit? I can feel... I can I can get down with some sad boy shit. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm the same at this point. Last night so. I was getting down with the sad boy shit. You okay, Mega? Yeah, yeah. Last night I watched Everest. That's the uh, title right there. I can sad get down with some sad boy shit. <laughs> Last night I watched Everest, and I was up until like 4.30 just kind of sad about it. Wow. Sad boy shit. No, uh, I mean, it, it, it ended around like 3.30, but I was staying up for like another hour. You're okay today, right? Oh, I'm good, man. Uh, I, I, think I, I think I'm mentally healthy. You know, I feel good. I don't have much stress or anything like that. That's why you had that yeah. headache, huh? You were just... Sad boy still, shit gave yeah. me the headache earlier? Maybe. I think it was because I was start drinking at 11 o'clock in the morning with late. <laughs> Late's a bad influence. Sad boy shit. I'm the devil. Okay. I'm on my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Sees the angel hey, and then yeah. Late is the devil. Let's do the, the Picataro of the yeah. podcast. He is the Picataro. That's my new title. Pineapple. I only want to be referred to as the Picataro. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be the Hatsune Miku hologram of the podcast? I mean, it's your podcast. You I have a highball. I have a pineapple too high. Mm. You have a water? No, thank you. No, um, I'm the angel, baby. Yeah, take that, take that. Uh, Patrick, do you listen to a lot of Japanese SoundCloud rap? Maybe more recently. Uh, I mean, for a long time, I didn't listen to as much Japanese rap as I probably should as a music writer, just because I always felt like rap, at least my image of it initially, was very like, it's very lyrical. You need to understand what they're saying. And my Japanese ability wasn't at that level. So I felt wrong kind of trying to critically approach it. Mm. Um, I think that's changed a lot recently. Like this. Are you fluent now? Oh, not fluent whatsoever. I, it's all right. Like, I can get by, have a conversation. Mm. But I wouldn't say fluent. Um, that means he's really good. No, 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 no. Listener at home, don't don't assume that. Don't, don't we, send him any We've all been in Japan and love. Long enough to know the humbleness and what it really means. No, I'm really dumb. Sorry. He wrote he wrote those uh, Hatsune Miku, Miku songs, I believe. That oh, was really? Mi- yeah, yeah, that was me, actually. That's what I actually do. Uh, but something like this, and I think there's a lot of Japanese rappers, younger ones, who are starting to emerge, who are a bit more melodic. It's mm. kind of more about sound rather than trying to, it sounds weird, like just convey a real meaning. Like this uh, to me, I. That's a good thing for Japanese rap, in my opinion. I would agree. So. Because the 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 very like simple East Coast bar style, like boom yeah. boom boom, you know, end on the four, end on the four. It sounds very chant like and monotone robotic to me. So, changing cadences, 
this uh, this track here, a little bit of the sing-song aesthetic. Uh, I think it's work. It works better for the Japanese, um, the the linguistic structure uh, uh, of Japanese. So that's good. Shall we? Shall we get into uh, the interview section of the podcast? Let's do it. Right. Yo, Steve, can you we ask shall. that question again about how he? Okay, so just, just remind everybody. How did you uh, get yeah. your your hustle on, basically, with all these cats? You know, they're big. Obviously, everyone knows they're famous. Japan Times, Pitchfork, Atlantic, Fader, all these guys. Yeah. So, uh, so I came to Japan in 2009, and I started my music blog, Make Believe Melodies. Just while I was living in the countryside, there wasn't much to do where I lived. I was teaching English. You know, I would just deal with a bunch of junior high schoolers all day, uh, try to teach them things, mm. hit or miss there, but then just go home. I had wrote about, written about music while I lived in America, and I thought I should continue doing this while I'm here, even if it's just a hobby. Mm. And also, oh, why not learn about Japanese music? Where I'm living now, why not? So I start a blog, makebelievemelodies.com, and I just did that for a while, just kept at it. There's not many other people blogging about Japanese music. And even back then, 2009, there wasn't that many people. You've mm. kind of, you've, you found a really interesting niche uh, for your writing, and it seems like you've had some great success for that. Like, you follow artists like Exile, who I try to listen to it and I don't see much value in it. How much of what you, you're, you're commissioned to write about are, are musics that you're actually interested in obviously you have an interest in the music like for its inherent qualities but like how often do you find yourself writing about something that you think is trash but have to disseminate that for like in an objective look for people who are not japanese is that fairly I, often i would say more recently it's been that i guess i cover a lot more like uh just generally what's happening in japanese music the japanese music industry and then you have to write about artists for example, recently, there's the boy band company Johnny's. Mm. Like, they make Arashi. They did Smop before that blew up. I've yeah. heard of them. Yeah, yeah, They're just smashing it. Like, they've been around since, like, the 50s, right? Johnny's? But, yeah, yeah, Johnny's. Been been around, like, for, like, 60 years, 50 oh, years. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they really take off in the 90s with Smop. And then they just have this whole stable of and boy bands. And when you bands. say blew up, you mean disintegrated. Like... <laughs> No longer. Yes, recently Smop disintegrated is a much better way to put it. What happened with that again? Why did oh, they? Oh, that was a big like. When was that? 2016. Three yeah. of the members of this five-member group wanted to leave the agency. Mm. They just didn't like the way I guess the next person in charge was handling things. But Johnny's the company wouldn't let them, so it became this big to-do. They had to go on. They have a. TV show slash cooking program. Mm, mm. So they went on that wearing suits and they apologized to the nation, being like, we're sorry, we did all this drama. Mm. And then six months later, they did break up and these three guys, they eventually leave. And now, So ungrateful. <laughs> <laughs> and like... So yeah, that was kind of their demise. Mm. And then what these three guys did, Johnny's is really famous for not knowing what the internet is so like if you go on amazon and you look at their cd releases they don't let amazon use the cover art it's just a gray box huh. yeah because they just they don't believe they're just frightened of the internet 
just wow. is Japan just like that. They're always but they're like the ultimate extreme with it. Mm. Like and sound pretty extreme. They wouldn't let any of their artists like they would never let them have an Instagram account or a Twitter account. They might not have let them look at a computer for twenty years. But these three guys leave, and then they they've gotten really popular on YouTube and Instagram. It's like it's like these forty year old men who were like in captivity for twenty years are like mm. introduced to the internet, and they're like, "Ooh, this is fun. Let's do it." YouTube video, YouTube video. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I haven't. I don't know what happened to them since the breakup. Because but they really they've, <laughs> they've been. I see their faces all the time. I mean, most of them like well, they were are on out TV there for... doing their thing. Ever. Oh right. yeah, they were. So what I'm, Johnny's recently has actually decided to start to their own the YouTube internet. channel. Oh here so we it's go. Like, These motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm loving Steve today, man. Oh, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. Fucking Johnny's, huh? Fucking Johnny. Johnny's always swooping in, ruining everything. Kind of swooping and shit. So I've had to write about them a lot recently. I think their music is horrible. Huh. This is complete oh, garbage my God. music. And, like, and they, the smat motherfuckers couldn't even dance too. Oh, like, is that right? For shit, they can't they're dance? not good dancers. No, they no, no, dance. no. They're doing like weak ass numbers, like back and, and you're forth. Talking, and like you're talking, the, the, that's the lord of the dance. Oh, I'm talking dance. right now. Yeah, this is this is saucy steez right now. This is saucy steez. <laughs> Who knew that we had to talk about Johnny? <laughs> hey, this is saucy steez. He's mad spicy. <laughs> Get him, get him, Johnny brings that out and everybody. Yeah, you know? I, did, I don't even yo. know who these guys are, and I'm just like, yo, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, there's a video I of them meeting Michael, Michael, and I mean, just like anybody, they're kind of like awestruck, but it's like, like there's no kind of, I don't know, like uh, recognition there. I mean, they recognize him, but there was they weren't like, oh, we're also artists. Watch me moonwalk. They were just kind of like, oh yeah, we're just like. <laughs> characters in this thing that happens a little bit they're basically just tv talent they're just like "Ooh, you're so interesting nah i got love like i got respect for exile because at least those cats can dance but when i see saw smap on stage and people screaming for them they can't dance for shit like canon is a way better dancer than these fuckers my daughter is ill though (laughs) that's what i said way number one yo Number two? two, yeah, she got like six moves now, man. She's really ill. That's my daughter's like two, oh, almost two and a half. Oh wow! Yeah, so yeah, she's getting lit, man. B girl cannon, look for out for that. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking about a lot of art. Well, these artists who are kind of trash, but one thing that I was interested in hearing from you because you follow these segments of pop culture in Japan. Can you tell us some of like the elements, or in your opinion, what are some of the elements of Japanese pop music culture that highlight? like integrity inherent value in the genre uh okay i would say i mean most of the things i would associate with j-pop it's all kind of very related to how the labels and management sort of run things it's almost more i see it as like j-pop is like just really the industry just because the music itself is so all over the place you have like the smop style oh upbeat cheery boy band and then you have exile doing their R&D like ballad Sexy fusion band. thingy. Oh, just to let Mega know, there is a Japanese, well, he's talking about idol groups. Is that a fair thing to say? We're talking right about now, idol yeah, groups, for sure. Uh, there is a Japanese girl idol group that is a hip-hop idol group, and they rap. There's a few. Yeah. They're fairly popular. I'm, I'm talking about a lyrical school. I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure of any other ones. There's also Rhymeberry. 
I don't even know who those are, but I fuck with Rhymeberry. I'll take a Rhymeberry right now. Sound like something you get from Jamba Juice. I get a Rhymeberry. Venti. What are the sizes? Yeah, who would you shout out? J pop, hip hop acts. J pop, hip hop acts. I mean, Lyrical School is pretty fun. They're they're a good one. Rhymeberry's okay. I put Lyrical School above them. Who else? Any underground cats, you know? Underground artists. I mean, definitely these like quote unquote SoundCloud rappers are pretty mm. interesting. I mean, there's Sleep Beige. There's an artist named uh, Goku Kyut. K U Y T. He wins. It's pretty good. Goku Kyut. Mm, I don't Kyut. know about that Kyut. I was hoping for something Kyut. harder. That sounds like Goku. That sounds like something. a little yachty like ad libs. <laughs> Kyut. That sounds like, like that. Then okay. <laughs> that sounds like a Kyut. hit in Dragon Ball Z actually. Kyut. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious like you know in, in American pop culture even though pop culture is largely machine and people are changing the sound to make it fit a certain criteria we still do have artists who have a lot of artistic integrity and are creating interesting new art I mean uh, name name a pop artist who's like Bruno Mars for example mm-hmm. he's making some really good stuff um, Beyonce is a phenomenon and who who is a Japanese artist out here who is um, pop but still like an artist? Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of, I want to say, like artistic integrity there. And they're not trying to ride the wave. They're just making dope, popular music. Who, who would an artist be that fits that criteria? There's actually a lot recently. One interesting thing that has happened in J-pop is it like 10 years ago, it used to be very top heavy. Like there was a certain amount of like big name artists and agencies that kind of controlled everything. Recently though, just since music sales have declined so much, more and more labels and companies are willing to welcome in sort of more left field ideas. So over the past year, a few artists who, yeah, fit that criteria, there's a group called uh, Siobino Campanella, in English, Wednesday Campanella. Our homie Keen brought them was up. playing them on his episode. That was his weather report. They're oh, really? great. Yeah, yeah, they're super great actually, and they're pretty big. Uh, really? They, I thought they, that they, was like some underground. They started underground, but yeah, they uh, they appear on like uh, the big weekly music show, Music Station. Uh, oh. They play lots of what is it? They play festivals. They they're also getting a little bit of traction in America. They played oh what is it called? Whatever Odd Futures. Festival is. Oh, they in did LA. the Camp Flognog. Yeah, yeah. Flognog. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were there. They're great. They're wow. fantastic. Shout out to Keen. Phenomenal taste of music. Yeah, he introduced man. me to them, and um, yeah, shout out to Keen. They're they're phenomenal. That's a good. That's, that's exactly the type of answer I was looking for. Suyogi Campanella. Suyogi no Campanella, but they're also just doing Wednesday Campanella now to try to get like English market attention. And then another Music one. Music got crazy for a second. I was surprised. <laughs> like, what? I was like, what is this? Like, Flog Dog? What is this? We've summoned Excuse it. Excuse me, yeah. Uh, no, actually, Late, for, if we could take a second, Late Late has been playing a bunch of Japanese beat makers this episode. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Who who, who are some of the artists you've been uh, playing? Pigeon Dust, Bugsy, Tajima Hall, Matatabi, and was there one more? I don't know. I mean, maybe there are some features on here. Sure, like sure. Lidley yeah. and Actor, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. RU2. Yeah, so basically everything we've been listening to is Japanese beat makers uh, in the beat scene. Okay, hey, phenomenal. Cool. Uh, okay, I'm sorry to distract from that, no, but that's, no that beat got really weird. And I was yeah, like, whoa. Yeah, I was like, uh. We both looked at each other like, well, something's wrong. <laughs> right, everyone yeah. just, yeah, a sudden yeah. like double yeah. take everywhere. 
Patrick, do you know Charisma.com? Oh, yeah, yeah. Charisma.com, who recently broke up at the oh, end really? of January. They were really good. Oh, no. They were very good. Yeah, yeah. And they were pretty close to that Siobino Campanella thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two women, a uh, rapper, and I get What did the other... A DJ woman. slash producer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were good. They were kind of like always singing about being an office lady, an OL in Japanese society, and just like being angry about things. So Very interesting videos, also. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit? Um, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, uh, Patrick recently had his his thirty three and a third uh, book published through um, Bloomsbury. Is yes. that the name of Bloomsbury? And and again, they they put together these little books that focus on a single album, and they talk about it in great detail by a person that knows a lot about it. Now, I'm not familiar with game or perfume perfume is the band right or the group yes the group. The group. and then the album is called game and they're electro pop can you tell us a little bit about this album and why it would be a really what what would make it interesting for a person to, to read that like yeah. why yeah i feel like i'm i rambled a little bit there so just no no worries yeah, excuse me <laughs> yeah so um game is perfume's major label debut album it came out in 2008 so 10 year anniversary coming up and um, before this album came out... Oh, wow. It's been 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. This uh, hey. April 19th or 18th. Wow. Yeah. So before this album, Perfume is this struggling idol group. Like, nobody cares about them. They're really, like, struggling. They have a unique sound in large part because of their producer, who's bringing a lot of elements that you didn't hear in J-pop at that time. But they're not getting attention. But then they finally start getting some traction. And then this album kind of marks, and what I argue in the book especially, it's the last J-pop album that really signaled a musical sea change in the country's pop scene. Because after this, there hasn't really been like a group or a producer who's kind of just broken through out of nowhere. And game sound, perfume sound is very unique especially in J-pop. All the vocals are run through a variety of filters, a lot of auto-tune. Uh, the beats are very like hard-hitting, a lot of distorted bass. Um, it has a lot in common with really loud Daft Punk or Justice mm. or any of that, but Definitely. it's kind of taken in a different direction. And it initially starts like a trend in electro-pop, and there's like just this initial rush of companies trying to be like, oh, we have electro-pop artists too. That doesn't really go anywhere, and they end up being the only group doing that sound. And, but yeah, I would say since then, there hasn't been an artist that broke through like that. They go to number one on the album chart. They're the first electro pop album to do that since Yellow Magic Orchestra put out an album in 1983. I wow. Think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this big gap in time. It's this really just big shift in J-pop sound. I don't think there's been an album like it since in J-pop. It's just a really pivotal moment. Well, if I can interject a little bit. Uh, I think around 2011, mm -hmm. 2010, 11, I, uh, I was reading some blogs. I was getting more into like an electronic kind of sound, like back in America you know, EDM was on the rise and pop music was kind of showing that it was shifting more towards that. And I was already listening to some uh, K-pop music and I was trying to listen to more Japanese music. 
And I used to read this guy's blog. His name was Random J. And uh, he put up like a single from uh, Perfume. I think it was, uh, what's it called? Laser Beam? Laser Beam, yeah. Yeah. So I, I went back and listened to their old stuff. And like this album game that you wrote about and i don't know if it's called triangle or sankaku i think a triangle is kind of accepted triangle That's fine, yeah because it's just it's just the symbol is yeah. the album title okay and i was just blown away like as patrick said like it's hard hitting the vocal manipulation it's like it's like at that time what the american pop was shifting towards but the mainstream pop hadn't gotten there but over here, these girls were, like, killing it. And I found out about the producer, uh, Nakata Yasutaka, and uh, realized his connection to Kerry Pamu Pamu, who he also produces music for. And then I found his groups, uh, his main main group? I don't know. It's him and a, a female vocalist. It's called Capsule. And I would consider them a bit harder. I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's a bit... Uh, less pop than Perfume or Carrie. And it's weird to like see the shift because even Perfume early on, it was more J-pop, very cute, like uh, singing about a bicycle or maybe they still sing songs like that, but like really, really J-pop, like your stereotypical 2000, late 2000 J-pop sound. And even his group before, they were more Bossa Nova capsule. It was like really lounge kind of house dance music but when he switched to like this electro sound i was just in my opinion it's just the best it's incredible huh. yeah i had no idea i'd never heard about this album up until i started checking out uh you know researching about you patrick so that's that's um really great how did it how did it come about did you contact them and said you wanted to do this project or did they say like Hey, this guy's writing a lot about things. Maybe he has something to say. And uh, first, first, tell me how long it took you to write this, because this is longer than some of the other thirty-three and a thirds, right? I guess a little bit, yeah. So the story of how it came to be was, I got a email from the editor who's in charge of the thirty-three and a third Japan series. Uh, she's a professor, Noriko Manabe. And she reached out to me saying, we're starting this series. We're looking for pitches for it. And she had said, oh, we've seen your work. You cover J-pop. We're looking for J-pop. And she initially suggested Kauri Pamu Pamu. But I pitched this because I think it's a little nice older. Choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice it's choice. Just, you know, it's the impact it's had on music. So, yeah, she just said, oh, yeah, let's try this. And that was at the end of 2015. I get that email. 2016, the summer of 2016, I write the book. I think it was from May to August. Kind of like juggling that with regular, like... Freelance the, work. The writing that pays the bills. Right. So, yeah, it was... That was mostly the summer that year, and then send it off, and then the next year was just rewrites, edits, uh, more edits, even more edits. Patrick, do better. And yeah, yeah, it finally sort of was finished by November of last year, and they could finally put this together, and it came out at the end of February. Just recently, right. Yeah, Congrat yeah. Congratulations on it, man. It looks like a phenomenal yeah, read. An incredible and I, accomplishment, yeah. especially with late 
and his tremendous praise of the the group and the album, I'm going to ask him to borrow this so I can read it afterwards. Man, looks looks good. Oh, thank you. Do you have any um Do you have any uh, upcoming projects coming out, or were you writing for now, or anything that we should check out? Let's see. I'm uh I have a few articles coming out at the Japan Times, which uh, you will be able to see on their website. I will. Tweet about them at my Twitter account at MB Melodies, M E L O D I E S. Oh, so. before before we actually take off, can you tell us a little bit about that website and uh, your website and yeah, yeah, how course. it came together and what you're trying to do with it and yeah, what you yeah, yeah. do do with it rather? Yeah. So as mentioned, it was it started almost as a hobby, um, just being in Japan and being like, I need something to do so I'm not bored. And I just, yeah, made a WordPress account because that was easy. And yeah, initially it was just kind of a very general, like, here's Japanese music I'm encountering. I remember one of the first posts was actually about Perfume, uh, who was like the first J-pop artist I heard. Mm. And that kind of made me really interested in it. But over time, it's become more mostly focused on more independent artists uh, a lot of rock a lot of electronic artists a bit of hip-hop especially more recently and yeah the main goal is just highlighting artists in japan who normally wouldn't get any attention in english language publications like and i mean even in a lot of japanese publications they're not getting attention and yeah the goal is really just to show that you know there's this whole world really of music that's you know a lot of people could easily miss and it's just kind of like oh you know if you can check this out it's here like give it a listen it's interesting so that's the main thing is trying to almost act as a bridge between japan and the rest of the quote-unquote western world we love that yeah. that's great man i really uh, i really appreciate what you're doing out here just uh, informing me about so many different things that I was not familiar with. Uh, your 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 Twitter page is constantly showing me things that I haven't found out, and I just started following you a week ago. Uh, I think Thank you. I speak for all of us when I say that this is a this is a great episode for us, and and we're quite happy. And also, th thanks for the free book. Right? Yeah, no worries. Pass it around yourselves. We're gonna pass it around. Hey, oh, hey, but wow, we're gonna pass it around. Hey, I didn't say they could read my book, Patrick. What the hell? Oh, I gotta buy my uh, own I'm copy. I'm sorry. Yeah, just hide that. Hide it. Hey. Uh, before about Patrick goes off, oh, I, I kind of want to ask about. Uh, sorry for stopping the show. I thought yeah, you know. Oh. Well, I I just have this one thing I I was hanging on to like, <laughs> like K-pop and J-pop are fundamentally different, of course, but. A lot of the K-pop groups usually have a member or two who are the designated rappers. And then there are degrees of how authentic they are as rappers or even being interested in hip-hop. Because a lot of those groups are formed in the company and then they're trained for however long before they're actually released out into the public. And, you know, they might go to school and learn how to rap or they already had an interest and then they hone their craft. Why do you think that's not the same case over here? Like, a lot of these groups don't have rappers, or if there is a rap, it's terrible, or it's usually a separate thing. Like, I see Japanese hip-hop and Japanese pop, like, almost completely separate all the time. Mm. Like, almost never together. Uh, do you have any insight on why that is, or do you have an opinion on that? I think the main reason is, I feel with K-pop, like, American hip-hop in particular is kind of more 
it was there from the very beginning. The artist in Korea that everybody points to as being sort of the genesis of K-pop as people know it today, Seo Taiji. Yeah. Seo Taiji and the boys, like he was really inspired by American rap, like, and he would work it in. Whereas I think with J-pop, like it honestly started more with like Euro dance music, like a lot of faster like dance music. So, and just with K-pop, its identity has been built around hip-hop more. Mm. And I kind of, this might be a generalization, but I think Korean music fans are more interested in American hip-hop than Japanese ones. Like... I think as a whole, you might be right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I've never heard a Drake song in Japan in public. But when I go to Korea, I I do hear him. So... In terms of like mainstream rap, yeah, yeah, know, I understand. Like, I'm just joking. I like Drake. To punch, continues. I like to punch up. Shout at out Drake. the chocolate cake. <laughs> so yeah, I just kind of do think it's more like, uh, yeah, Korean audiences are more like, yeah, I don't know. They just know hip hop music closer than Japanese ones in Japan. That makes it's, sense. It's always still kind of more like. Whenever a Japanese hip-hop artist starts getting attention, it almost feels like you have to have an explainer, like what's hip-hop. And it's like, oh, okay. So, but recently there have been more groups popping up that have like designated rappers. So it's starting to change because they're trying to mimic K-pop. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's mm. changing a little bit. K-pop seems a little bit more like sexy and kind of adult than a lot of the J-pop stuff I see. You know like, what, man? I see some K-pop artists. I'm like, this is a bad hot take, but... Tokyo, on average, the attractive people, I'm going to say women, attractive women, there's more in Tokyo than attractive women in Seoul, on average. But, like, the talent, the celebrities, the idols, I don't know what they're doing over there, man. Those girls are fire. Fire. Like, crazy. Like, Welcome I look to at the Carrie Toxic Pong Masculinity Pong Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I look at Carrie Pong and I'm like, oh, she's cute. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, even, uh, I'm going to mess up her name. Who's who's retiring? What is it again? Uh, Namie Amaro. Namie Amaro. She's very sexy. She's, she's sexy, right? But, like, compared to, like, even the average idol in Korea, I'm kind of like... Well, mm. plastic surgery is a big mm. thing over there as well, right? They all get a bunch of plastic surgery to change. But it's not their even just the look; it's like the whole vibe. Uh, okay. I mean, they have their well, they they have their the is it, isn't, like... isn't pornography like completely illegal in South Korea? And right. so, they so all... maybe they get their little sexy off on the little pop circuit. Fair enough. I you think know? they just buy all their pornography from Japan, which is That's truly Japan's true. biggest soft yeah. power export they, they to should, the world. Yeah, they should. Uh... That's what, they're number two, man. Yeah. After America, Japan. Yeah. Oh, well, that explains wow. why my search results always come up in a certain way. <laughs> Anywho, uh, Mega Late Show, episode 28, 7? 27? 20, you got any drops? I you it was 28 drop? earlier. 20, we, 20, we've 20, got 28. A, we've got to, uh, oh, let, yeah. Let Patrick drop, uh, you know, his website, his handles, his uh, yeah. accounts, he did, he everything. Did. Just a Twitter, Again. you have an Instagram as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell us all about it. I actually don't it. have Instagram. Not a photogenic person. Uh, MakeBelieveMelodies.com. Check it out. Um, Twitter, at MBMelodies. Uh, friend me on Facebook. I don't care. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, I'll man. I'll decide Very if I want cool. to accept or not. <laughs> Yo, so let's, uh, episode 28, let's go ahead and give our weather forecast. 
for the week of... Hold on, let me pull out the calendar. I got this. Today is okay. the 30th. You're listening to... There's nothing happening today. On the 31st, oh, shit. Uh, Big Night Out is happening at Vega Wine Bar. And that's a comedy show. Shout out to Alex and uh, Aziz and all the other comedians. But also that night, Pete Rock is going down at Sound Museum Vision. Uh, I hope you got tickets. I'm, you could probably get in at the door. I don't know. But uh, this Sunday, when you're listening, Speakeasy is going down at Hotel Koe in Shibuya. Shibuya. So you're going to want to be there. It's from 4 to 10. It's free. You're going to want to check it out. Uh... Of course, the regular shows, Kinsuke is playing that Monday. Uh, it happens every other Monday at Bar Bridge. Uh, Shiori Bradshaw is playing the next day on Tuesday. That happens every other Tuesday. That's Palladium Lab with Shiori Bradshaw. Mm. Uh, also, our homie AJ, his show, Under the Moonlight, is at uh, Rep on Mondays also. That's in the same building as Bridge with Shiori and Kinsuke on Ninth Monday. 9th and 10th floor. 9th and 10th floor. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh... Hmm. Yo, I see the brand new heavies are going to be out here on Thursday the 12th. Oh, really? If it's oh, yeah, at, at Blue Note. So that means it's going to be about Mon to get in there. But yeah, um, the brand new that. heavies. Yeah. That's what, interesting. Blue Note? Probably, yeah, probably a little more note. than that. Maybe. Uh, Kojo's uh, release party or release tour for here is going down at Shibuya WWWX on Friday. Yo, I, I was... It was weird with the times. I think I don't know if it happens at midnight or if it happens in the afternoon. I couldn't really figure it out. But uh, <laughs> so uh, do your googles. Really yo, yo, <laughs> yo, apparently it's Thomas Jefferson's birthday on the thirteenth. I'm not sure where that came up on the calendar. But yeah, shout out to Thomas Jefferson. He's got a show. Like is he at the Blue Note? It's cost you two months. Uh, don't know what time it starts. Yeah, just yeah, just, yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. Yo, shout out to Chase and Adam of the Breakdown. That's every other set, every second Saturday. So that's April the fourteenth at Coins Bar. Life Park is going down April fifteenth at Commune Second. That's my other crew. Shout out to Elevate and everybody else over there. And the, not a lot of going on in April right now. Is we'll post any, more um, shows as it come up. Any concerts with some sad boy music we can check out? Actually, there were a few in the winter. Maybe they like. I feel the winter is kind of uh, the best time, you know, so for sad boy music. So I think they're now really that it's cold sunny and, and nice, uh, it's, uh, it's not good retreat. for the sad boy industry. I missed the sad boy season. Shit. It's all right, Seas. We're going to pick up on sad boy shit hella hard come October. All right, Me and Seas going to be the I'm saddest right. boys. Ain't nobody doing more sad than the Mega Late Show. Woo. Hey, uh, Stone's Throw Japan Tour is happening on the 28th. Of uh, April? Yeah, you didn't. I guess I put this in. Uh, Peanut Butter Wolf. Muro, Peanut butter. Coco, aka Shimokita, Groove Man Spot, and Kick a Show. That's happening at Vision. Okay. And then the Sunday after that, at Speakeasy, uh, big shit. I shouldn't even be saying this. Erica Badu. Say it. Hatmaker is going to be on the Mega Late Show pretty soon. Oh, hell oh, yeah. <laughs> Erica Badu's. My dude. What are they? What are they, There's a term for a hatmaker. It's probably like an old British he's term. He's a hatmaker. Right. There's but, an official but he's a, he title. Makes a, he a capologist or something. Capologist? Yeah. Capadonna. Uh, so, so this, he'll, this he'll hatmaker. He'll tell you all about it. Yeah, I think we're going to have him on the podcast, courtesy of our guy Steez, has yeah. inroads with uh, 
Hopefully he makes me a big ass like ten gallon <laughs> Yosemite Sam style know, hat. Man. You know what I mean? Eric is paying him top dollar now. That's the redesign. Just us all having big ass hats. All of us under a single hat, just a big three headed hat. Like yeah, that's it. Shout out to Yosemite Sam, Erica Badu's big ass hats. Yo, 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 May 2nd, which is also your boy's birthday. Holler at your boy. Uh, Speakeasy's going down with out. DJ Spinner. Also, Shimokita's going to be there, which reminded me it's going down at Vent and Aoyama. Uh, you're going to have to pay a little money, but it's going to be worth it because you're going to get hella sets. I'm playing twice. I'm going to play some bangers, and then I'm going to play whatever the fuck I want because it's my birthday. But you also need fuck to go yeah. watch Spinner because it's going to be dope. Yo, DJ Spinner is so phenomenal. I hope we get him on the podcast. For the people that don't know, we're about to get a history lesson from this man. I want to go through his history, talk about some of the influence. He's been around in the culture for a long-ass time, and people need to fuck with DJ Spinner. Check it out. Megalecho? Yo, Megalecho. Patrick, thank you Megalecho. so much. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I reached out to you out of nowhere, so thank you for gracing us with your presence and your knowledge. And this, I'm so... I can't express how much. One of the I nicest really guys we've had on Thank the podcast, so man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Phenomenal. I'm, I'm glad to be nice. Well, we, we got, got a lot of scumbags. Trash. Garbage, yeah. <laughs> we got a lot of scumbags. All these that's, that's not true. Keen? Who's Keen? <laughs> Who's this? Dallinger? Dallinger? Scumbags. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to episode, uh, member number 13 of the Mega Late Show. Yes, all of you. <laughs> all of us. Exclusive club. <laughs> Yo. Good shit. Why does book look like it would be banned in Korea. Because <laughs> they all hating over there. Megalay. The good days aren't just behind us like butt cheeks. They're also in front of us like titties. <laughs> Makes you think. <laughs> Yo, you <laughs> think... Sexy, wouldn't, the Tomb Raider, wouldn't the Tomb Raider movie look so much better if she had, like, the polygon breast? It's like a human being. You know what I mean? But, like, the polygon, no, like, that, the hard that, that polygon triangles. I feel like it's a good look, man. That's a Madonna shit right they there. They need, like, a Vocaloid oh, artist that looks like that. Full circle, baby. Back yeah. to Madonna. Hey. Yo, Madonna did have the really pointy bras, right? Yeah, they look like... Saying, like what are those saying. little snacks that people eat? The, like, the little the cones? cones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Triscuits? No, that's Triscuits. They're like, oh, they're like the bugles. 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 Yeah, they're fucking bugles, man. Those things. Yeah, I want to see those on Tomb Raider. <laughs>